All right, we are in the Gospel of John uh, 16, and this is part two of the lesson of the cost of discipleship, the cost of discipleship. And we'll read the, uh, the verses again so we have continuity. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 16 of John, verses 1 through 4, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. So Jesus is now laying out for us the distinction between salvation and discipleship. You come to faith, you come to salvation solely through the, the, the mercy and blood of Jesus Christ, has having nothing to do with anything that you did, having nothing to do with your works or, or your character, solely through the grace of God, God gives you the free gift of salvation. That's day one. Now, day two and the rest of your life relates to discipleship. And Jesus now is saying to these disciples, this is a disciple message. This isn't a message that you would give to the world that is not accepting Jesus, because this, this is not a message that, that is appropriate, really, for the world. This is a message that's appropriate to people who have now committed their lives to Jesus. I've accepted you, Jesus. And now Jesus tells us what it is that he expects from us for the rest of our lives. It is called discipleship. It is walking with Jesus. It is a life of submission, and it depends on you willfully observing this. Now, it's on you through the grace of God. God, through salvation, gives you grace that will allow you to make this walk, but you have to make the steps. You have to submit. And so this is important. This, the, the point that Jesus is making here with the disciples is this. Discipleship is costly. It's costly. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. And now God is going to look at us and observe us for the rest of our life to see how, in fact, how, in fact, uh, we walk. And so this is truly important for you to understand, the distinction between salvation, day one, and day two for the rest of your life, discipleship. And discipleship is costly. You're going to suffer. You're going to be persecuted. Jesus is telling his disciples this, and this is really uh, about, about understanding how, what Jesus has for us in this regard. And so the point of this, and this is something that you, we, we don't hear often enough in churches, it, it, it requires uh, some depth and time to, to preach this, that salvation and discipleship are separate. I suspect that many of you have not heard that uh, preached in church before. Uh, even in my own experience, I, I can't say that, that uh, growing up in a very devout church that I heard that uh, was separated. And I think part of the reason why the failure to separate it results in people saying you can lose your salvation is because they look at Christians whose discipleship walk is not good, right? 
and they equate the discipleship walk or the failure to have a discipleship walk as a failure of salvation. It's not, all right? You're saved. God holds you in the palm of his hand. You will not be lost. That salvation remains forever. But now, what is your discipleship walk? How are you carrying the cross of Jesus? What are you doing? And the point of understanding this uh, is that discipleship concerns our response uh, our response to, to the, the grace that Jesus gave us. He poured his grace into our lives. And so now we have to offer ourselves back in submission, in obedience, and in sacrifice. This is what he told his disciples. This is what, is a, what, what God expects from you. Uh, and so um, in salvation, Christ paid the price. In discipleship, we pay the price. Does that make sense? Okay, we pay the price. But we pay the price because Jesus has given us the grace and mercy in order to make this walk. Uh, I really, this has really resonated with me as I've studied this issue and understand it more. And that is why salvation is free. Discipleship is costly. It costs to be a disciple of Jesus. And so uh, we're going to spend today going through uh, these issues. A good verse, and so Jesus is speaking here in John, and as you know, I use the Gospel of John as a platform to teach the entire Bible, okay? When, we, when people say to you, my goodness, your Bible teacher is, is in the Gospel of John for three years? How can this be? It be. <laughs> Why? Because he uses the Gospel of John as a platform to teach the entire Bible. And so here we have verses in which Jesus lays out the coming uh, role for disciples of discipleship. I want you to turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16, where this gets clarified. Matthew 16. Verse 24, and this all follows uh, where Jesus has just told his disciples uh, in verse 21, Matthew 16, verse 21, Jesus has just told his disciples what he will suffer. In fact, Jesus is now indicating the role of discipleship from him, his perspective, to God. So look at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. All right? Now, he's telling them this. This is what I'm going to suffer. I am willingly going to do this. I'm going to serve the Father. This is the role that the Father has asked me to do, and I'm submitting to God to this role. And he's giving this to the disciples, all right? This is to the disciples. And then our buddy Peter, as usual, God love him. He didn't get it. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Well, there you see. There's the humanity. There's the human aspect, okay? Not really understanding the role of submission and obedience where Jesus, of course, he didn't have to go. Nobody handcuffed him and took him in. He went willingly. He could have called 10,000 angels, as he said himself, uh, and, and secured his peace 
but he willingly submitted to the will of God. And we're going to talk about this, carrying the cross. What does it mean, carrying the cross? And here's an example of what it means. Uh, And so Peter goes, oh, no, not you. This is a terrible mistake. We need you here. You can't do this. Of course, and we know that if Jesus didn't do that, the entire ministry of God, of, of Jesus, would have been for naught. Everything that we stand for is summarized in the cross. It is the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus understood that. And so I love how Jesus immediately responds. Jesus was never concerned about being politically correct. And I mean, it's a lesson to us in terms of coming to the proof. Yeah, Jesus isn't concerned about being politically correct. Look what Jesus says. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. He said, oh, gee, Jesus, that doesn't sound like a Dale Carnegie course thing. (laughs) This guy's been with you for, get get behind me, Satan. But you understood that Jesus knew precisely that it was Satan that was bending the mind of Peter, that was influencing him. And that when we deal with the things of God, that we can't allow that to happen. All right? We can't allow that to happen. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Wow, Jesus, you're so severe. But it's appropriate when we're dealing with the things of God that stand like this. And so if you get to a point where, where even members of your own family say things to you, you know, I mean, really, you, you, you've been a Christian, but look, look at the things you're suffering and the things you're going through. It doesn't seem right. I mean, really, and, 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 and these, these thoughts begin to come into your mind. Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? Why have I devoted myself to God, and yet I'm seemingly going through these hard times? Get that out of your head, all right? This is the walk of discipleship. Each of us has a different path as we walk, on, uh, walk towards Christ. Each of us will go through different things at different stages of our life. Uh, and so this is why I want to I make sure I deliver this message strongly uh, to you today, to understand what this is about. And then verse 24, Jesus now lays out effectively the groundwork of discipleship. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, and that means come after me, means after day one of salvation, now there is a perceptible walking after me. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Please underline the last part of that verse. The Son of Man is coming and will reward each person according to what he has done. I was with uh, a, a group of lawyers this week in Chicago, uh, and, and uh, I mentioned one of, the, one of the lawyers asked me, uh, and, what do you want? And I said, the difference between salvation and discipleship. Uh, and I mentioned him, and this is a guy who has been purportedly a lifelong Christian. 
And I said, well, I said, the difference is, I said, the difference is that Jesus, it's very clear in the scriptures that Jesus will reward the discipleship walk, depending on how we walk. That's the essence of what this is about, what I'm teaching. Oh, he goes, I never heard that the Bible said Jesus gives out rewards. Really? I didn't make this verse up, okay? And there are other verses that say it very clearly, okay? Let me make sure you understand this so that if you ever talk to people, you articulate this clearly. Jesus, and it's Jesus, is going to grade your discipleship walk, and there will be rewards given out predicated on that walk, how you served him in submission, how you took up the cross and followed him. What are those rewards? I don't know, okay? Bible doesn't tell us. I know one thing, it's not about getting a bigger mansion, okay? Uh, you know, you want to get one real close to the river, you want that nice upper floor, good room, nice people on both sides, you know, you don't want to, you understand? I ha- it's not that. Most likely, it's in being given responsibility to govern with Jesus, okay? Most likely, as, as we know that in the last days, uh, the new Jerusalem will take place in this world. God will recreate this world, and effectively heaven will come down here, and most likely uh, there will be responsibilities to govern with God and with Jesus. That's all I can tell you, all right? If I told you anything more, it would be me just uh, guessing, and I don't want to do that. And so you see this. Um, and so in the verse that I gave you, it's clear that, that Jesus says he must suffer, he must be killed as a part of God's will for him. This is part of his, uh, the will of God. Uh, and so Jesus is submitting to God. Uh, and Peter's uh, rebuke of Christ eff- effectively denied Jesus' uh, submission to God. And so the point of this is that each of us has to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, and so this is important to understand this. And so we, we, I want to go through the issue of what it means to take up the cross. Uh, and Jesus is relating this to the disciples. He's not relating this to the general unwashed crowd. That's, that's a message of salvation. This is a message of deeper, committed walk. Uh, and uh, it, it implies a deeper relationship with Jesus that proceeds from salvation. Uh, and so it's important to know this. So here is the requirement that anyone who deci- desires to come after Christ, come after Jesus, must take up his cross. What does that mean? It denotes discipleship. It describes a process. You can write that in your notes. A process, not an event. An event is salvation. This is a process. Um, and, and that process is often called sanctification, right? When you're saved, it's called justification. You're justified to God through Jesus Christ. But that lifelong walk of discipleship uh, connotes sanctification. It's a committed life of following after Jesus, after you have come to him in salvation, uh, and so we're, Jesus is laying out what this response is about. He's doing it both collectively and individually. And he says here, first of all, that you must deny yourself. 
Anyone who wants to come after me and be a disciple of mine must deny himself. What is denial of oneself? Well, what it means is to submit your life to the will of God. To say to God, I will go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. I will do what you want me to do. As you open the doors in my life, Father, in the way that you want me to live, I will walk through those doors. And as you close the doors in my life that you do not want me to go through, I will not try to push those doors open. Now, when you make that prayer to God, and that's a heartfelt prayer, God will answer that prayer. He will answer that prayer because that's what the denial of self is. Uh, Another way to look at it is an understanding that you are repudiating the right to organize your own life. You're repudiating that. I remember as a younger person, it was like I felt I felt I could compartmentalize my life. I'm sure I'm not alone. You understand that. You're in your 30s and 40s. You know, it's like, okay, God, I got the professional side of my life. This is good. I got work. I got I'm practicing law. I know what I have to do. That's my thing, God. Over here, I go to church. You know, I go to church once a week, and I, that's I, I, I'm good for an hour with you. You got me. I'm completely submitting myself to you in that hour. Whatever you want from me. But the rest of the week, God, I got I to gotta take care of this. You know, I'm a well-educated man. You don't understand what I have to go through in order. Am I, am I, am I, am I resonating this with you? Have, is, is there anybody besides me that has gone through this in their life? Yeah, please. Uh, and so this denial of oneself uh, I mean, so many of us are thinking back 2,000 years and going, oh, yeah, i got to pick that cross up. Oh, I'm going to be walking with Jesus with that cross. Having no connection to what denial of self is in light of the 21st century. The denial of self is the, the uh, subjugation of your own will to the will of God. I will not organize my own life. I will not get up and do whatever I want. I will not go forward with anything that I want to do unless I ask God, is this is your will? Is this your will? Is this what you want? And so taking up the cross, tell me, taking up the cross in the modern nomenclature, what does that mean? It means that we live for Christ. That's what the cross is. Jesus is the cross. So when we take up the cross, effectively what it means, we are taking up Jesus Christ instead of ourself. And what does cross-bearing mean? It means it involves prayer. It involves Bible study. It means feeding the hungry. It means giving drink to those who are thirsty. It means receiving strangers, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, coming in here and collecting for helps outreach and giving to helps outreach, visiting the the prisoners, and witnessing to the world. Because that's what taking up the cross is. Taking up the cross is not, "Ah, I'd rather be golfing. I'd rather go golf. I'd rather fish. He knows what my heart is. I've accepted Jesus. I I feel better when I'm on a boat. You know, I'm communing with God. Yeah, you're communing with God. Yeah, crack another beer. Would you pass it down to the front end of the boat? You know, let's, let's not, let's really, let's not uh, subjugate the will of God in our lives. 
This is what taking up the cross is. Uh, and, and so you understand that this is very different from the act of salvation. When you, in your awful state, have recognized your awful state, told God, I need a savior, and the blood of Jesus pours over for you, and you are justified immediately to God. This is a different thing. This is now walking with him the rest of your life, serving him, submitting to him in every way. Uh, and so, uh, and here is the thing. As we take up the cross for Christ uh, and walk with him and deny ourselves to him uh, and with him, we effectively are dying to ourselves each day. Dying to ourselves each day. It's not about what makes me happy. It's about what makes me holy. I told you last week that God is not interested in making you happy. He's interested in making you holy. But when you are holy, you will be happy. You know, it's, these are things that you never understood when you were younger, did you? You know, if somebody said to you, well, you know, you, you need to be holy, and your holiness will, will make you happy immediately, it's what, ooh, oh, oh, I see some holy people in the church, ooh, oh my gosh, oh, they never smile. Oh, they just wear dark clothing. Oh, they have big hats on their head. Oh, God, oh, I can't be, look, that's fake holiness. That's fake holiness, all right? Real holiness is inside of you, in your heart that radiates out. So when you're really holy, when you really commit yourself to God, it's that innate holiness that just bursts out of your heart. And it makes you happy because you know you're where God wants you to be. Isn't that where you want, what you want to do with the rest of your life? Don't you want to be and do what God wants you, what he created you for? Or are you going to be one of those people that get to, get to see Jesus on that day and he's sitting there in the video room? And he puts the, the tape up. Yeah, I know right now. There's a number of people in the front are going, oh, no. Yeah, we're going to run the tape. Oh, I don't want to see it. But you know that's what's going to happen. He's going to go through your life. And you're saved. You're in heaven. You understand? You're in heaven. There's not going to be a trap door that opens to go, bing, you're going to hell. Because I know there's a lot of churches that believe that. You're safe. But now Jesus is going, oh, I had such great plans for you. I had such great plans for you. I wanted you to do this. I wanted you to talk to your neighbors. And, and you did you know? And in the club, no. And, and did you ever go to the jail? No. I mean, I mean that's what this is about. He, God is going to make me responsible when I see him if I don't teach this. Because the Bible says that there's a greater responsibility on the preachers than on the teachers. That's what it is. A greater responsibility. Woe to the teachers and preachers if they do not accurately reflect what God, God uh, wants from us. So now I'm telling you this so that you can, you can devote yourself and change this discipleship path. Make this commitment to do what God wants you to do. And so follow me. Follow me. Let's understand the, con the concept of that. It basically denotes a pupil-master relationship. You're following him in discipleship. Uh, here, Jesus invests that term uh, with the significance of following him by following God's will. 
which is what he did. He followed God's will in self-denial, in self-denial and taking up the cross, even though he knew it was going to be horrible. Now, here's the bottom line. Yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. But is it going to be anything like what Jesus suffered? Of course not. Maybe you're going to be repudiated by some of your relatives, right? Maybe even your children will look at you and, 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 and have a, a distant relationship because they're unhappy with what you're, you've done, all right? But let me assure you that, that you need to be straight with God. This is about your own responsibility. So this is a process, a progressive walk. It requires time, uh, and it requires endurance to the end, committed to the end, walking through the finish. Now, you, many of you might be saying, I, I want to do it, but I don't have the strength to do it. Yes, you do, because you're saved. It is the act of salvation that will give you the mercy and grace to make this walk. Not of your own power, but through the power and grace of Jesus Christ. All right? That's what this is about. Understanding that uh, in every way. And so what does Jesus mean? What does Jesus mean when he talks about losing his life? Anyone who will try to keep his life will lose his life. What is he talking about there? Whoever desired to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Uh, and you know what? Turn to Luke uh, 9, 24 on that. It's an important subject, folks. Verse 23, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Well, what does that mean? Uh, what, effectively, what does it mean? It means this, to deny yourself uh, and taking up the cross of Jesus means that you have submitted yourself to the will of God, all right? And and uh, denying yourself is denying the right that you have to organize your own life. I'm in charge. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. No, no. Denying yourself, all right, in this concept uh, denotes really saying, I no longer organize my life. I no longer go where I want to go. And yet I bow to you, God. I make the prayers, tell me where you want me to go. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me who I should be with. It, look, this even relates to the, who you study the Bible with. I believe it's God's will that you're here today, all right? But if God suddenly intervenes in your life and says you probably need to go someplace else, if that's what God speaks to you in all sincerity in your heart, then you need to organize that and follow him. It's not merely about you following your own will and desire, All right? You want to follow him. And so what does it mean when he, when he says, if you try to save your life, you will lose it? Well, what it means is this, that Jesus understood that the real essence of your life is its spiritual value, that you can only have a rich and full life if that life is connected to Jesus and God the Father. And it is that life that has the richest, fullest desire. 
And so if you do not submit to him, you will lose the right to have that richer, fuller life. Does that make sense? You understand? Does that make sense? And let me say something here. Uh, somebody last week said to me in the other class that they, that they found the concepts very deep and a little hard to follow. And I would say to you this, if you find yourself this, listen to this tape again. Listen to this tape again. It'll be online on Tuesday. That's when these go online. You can listen to it again. And, and sometimes you have to listen to it two, three. I have, I have one guy that tells me he listens to it five times. Every time he hears the recording, five times it goes back. And that he says it reveals something to him every day, every time that he goes back. And so I recommend that. These are deep concepts. You may not have heard this preached in church before. And so you need to understand this, this concept of denying. That's what it means, losing his life. All right? It doesn't mean you're not saved in this concept. He's speaking to disciples, people that are saved. But here's what he's saying, that the rest of your life is not going to be the full spiritual, holy life that God wants you to have because you've not denied yourself. You have not plugged in. You have not received all of the great blessings of God that he has for you uh, from a spiritual perspective. That's what losing Losing our life is about uh, and understanding this. It's important to understand this. Uh, and so the word for life here uh, is not really referring just to the eternal soul, but it's also referring to your physical life here. Jesus is telling you, giving us essences and lessons on what it means in this world, in this world, in this time, to have the fullest, uh, richest life. And so uh, it's important to understand this. This is a very, very deep uh, uh, theological issue and understanding of this. Uh, and so effectively, the paradox that Jesus uses here has great meaning. Uh, what he appears to be saying is that whoever desires to preserve himself from the hardship of God's will of self-denial and cross-bearing will in fact forfeit the essential quality, which means the true spiritual value of the present life. Let me repeat that, because this is what we're going to end on today. The paradox of what Jesus is saying has great meaning. Uh, he, he appears to be saying this, that whoever desires to preserve himself, his own desires and wants, from the hardships of God's following God, a will of self-denial and cross-bearing will in fact forfeit the essential quality of life. The essential quality of life, meaning the truest, deepest spiritual life, which gives the truest, highest sense of happiness. We'll continue this in part three next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have opened the scriptures and spoken to our heart about this issue of discipleship. Lord, I, I, have, I have such a, a, a heart to teach the people on this important subject. I ask you, Lord, to let these lessons resonate with them, open their heart, give them greater meaning, let your will be conveyed to them, and help each and every one of us, Lord, to walk closer to you, to give up our own will and self-denial, and follow you, to pick up your cross and follow you, Lord. Bless our people, protect them this week, and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
God bless you.